0: I'm Autumn Lockett,
1: and this is Mitch Randall,
0: and you're listening to Good Faith Weekly.
1: Welcome to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, Autumn and I are going to catch up. We understand that uh, Norman is under siege by a ice storm right now. And so we're going to we're going check in on Autumn, make sure she's okay with four kids at home from school for two days. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the situation unfolding in Ukraine right now with Russian tanks rolling through the country, uh, even knocking at the door of Kiev, the capital and as far west as Lviv. So it's... Uh, just a very difficult, intense situation, and I'm going to talk about that here in a second. Later on in the pod, we've got a very special guest with us. Dan Bailey is a singer-songwriter and has a wonderful song out right now that you're going to want to hear. It's just a lovely interview, and he performs that song. Uh, it's about women in ministry, and it is wonderfully done. And so, uh, you want to stay tuned for that interview as well. So, it's a good show. Here we go.
0: Rainforests, volcanoes, coastlines with crystal blue water, fresh fruit and seafood. Join Good Faith Media for an immersive experience on Hawaii's Big Island. Discover brilliant night skies with our friend, astrophysicist Paul Wallace. Explore and have fun with your small group of adventurers. Join us May 21st through the 28th. Learn more at faithexperiences.org.
1: Autumn, well, we got to talk about Ukraine and the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but first I want to check on you. I know it's day two of an ice storm here in the Southern Plains. I, (laughs) am under
0: siege. Yep, I am. uh, I have some allied forces here with me, thankfully. My husband is also iced in, so (laughs) at least I'm not by myself. Uh, It's going okay. It's... The kids, I think, are just, they can see spring on the horizon. Mm. They're sort of over the winter magic. Christmas is long past. All of our winter birthdays are long past, and they're just ready. My four-year-old, hand to God, spent half the day yesterday while we were in wind of negative five in a bikini. (laughs) She's so ready for summer, as am I.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. So no rations (laughs) at this point. Uh, Nobody's been injured. Uh, Uh, Nothing like that. I mean,
0: there are injuries. Well, Mitch, I don't know if you've heard this or not. It's sort of a seismological, geological, um, interesting miracle in that the floor is actually lava
1: at our (laughs) house. Really?
0: Right. So there have been some burns and some, you know, bumped elbows and knees as folks try to escape that lava. Right. And it sort of travels. Like it it seems to happen when the, the eight year old says, Three, two, one, the floor is lava. And then that's what, it's just amazing. Just uh, suddenly no one can touch the floor. People are defying gravity. Uh, It's chaos down here, Tom.
1: Do you and and, uh, your husband partake in this?
0: Um... Because I'd depends. like to
1: see, I'd like to see images of that. So.
0: He's he's got some vertical. Like I'll just tell you, he can do it. I'm more of a roll and kind of try to get to the carpet situation. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Thanks gotcha. for checking though. And yes, absolutely. Um, they can all come and play at your house this weekend. <laughs> so you just name the t- the time and place. Oh,
1: uh, thanks. Thanks for that. So. Uh huh. Well, Autumn, we've got to switch gears here and get uh, pretty mm-hmm. serious for a second because. As of last night, uh, Russia, at the helm of, or with at the helm, of Vladimir Putin, their president, began the invasion of Ukraine and saw it uh, building up for the last several weeks on the eastern side of Ukraine. And last night. It uh, began to be, or our last night, early
0: in the morning. 6 a.m. their time, right? Yeah, early in the morning in Ukraine. Woke up and declared war.
1: Yeah. uh, Tanks and bombs. Tanks started rolling in. Bombs started to be dropped. And uh, less than 24 hours into this campaign, uh, we're seeing reports uh, from major news organizations that there are Russian troops uh, in kiev uh russian troops as far west as lviv uh and so this is a full scale invasion no matter what putin says uh he wants the entire country
0: so i mean as a child born in 82 mm-hmm. like i don't remember all this russia stuff and so i was i've been trying to read and kind of catch up on what's going on um in your article today, I was going to give you a little bit of a hard time because you were definitely uh, siding with Mitt Romney over Obama <laughs> a little bit, and I had to kind of rub my eyes a little bit. But right. it was interesting to hear that dialogue, and that wasn't very long ago that they were having that conversation with people were like, Russia, what are you talking about? Right.
1: Well, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, Russia was in terrible straits uh, economically. I mean, it was mm. just uh, a shell of its once you know, self uh, when it was USSR, and so it didn't seem like a big threat to the West anymore. It was no longer a superpower, uh, but the rise of Vladimir Putin has brought them back upon the world stage, and he has worked uh, very in very meticulous ways, uh, very demonstrative ways, uh, acting in. My recollection as a dictator in many instances, uh, uh, ostracizing, marginalized political opponents. Uh, there's been reports that he's even assassinated uh, political opponents and opposition, quelling that uh, to gain this tight grip on the Russian uh, the the Russian people, with his lies and with his propaganda, President Putin has been able to convince much of Russia that they need to further a Russian agenda within the world if they are to survive. Uh, and and so it, this is part of it. Uh, we're seeing, you know, we, we, we saw it years ago when they annexed Crimea, which was the southern peninsula of Ukraine. And now there are other Russian-speaking, ethnically Russian parts of Ukraine, especially in the east near the Ukrainian-Russian border, that he is annexing. Uh, You know, originally he said that he wanted to just uh, bring those or protect those Russian-speaking, Russian, uh, Russian providences uh, under Russian control, but with evidence today of russian troops being as far west as lviv which is right next to poland um he's going to take the entire country you just can't trust mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and as my article uh indicated today we've seen this before we've seen this uh rhetoric before we've seen these actions before and it was a precursor to world war 2 and mm-hmm. Uh, Hitler did the very same thing. He convinced the German people that the entire world was against them, rallying around the Treaty of Versailles after World War I, that the world had basically crushed German and German culture, and therefore there needed to be a revitalization of German culture as well as liberation of German people around the world. And so he went into these providences and began to annex them, and the West stood by. Uh, using strong language, uh, passing sanctions against Germany. But when you're dealing with a dictator, it really doesn't matter. They're going to do exactly what they want to do because they're delusional uh, and convinced that what they are doing is righteous and just, even though the rest of the world sees it as unrighteous and unjust. So I feel for the Ukrainian people right now. I'm really scared for their leaders because Putin does have a history of basically killing them. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting 48 hours unfolding in Russia right now.
0: So I have a little bit of hope, um, in that there's not the lag in the reporting and the news that there was in 19, was it 30,
2: 37,
0: Yeah. 7, 38, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, are I'm seeing pictures this morning of Ukrainian people on their knees, praying out and, you know, snow covered landscapes. And so, I'm hopeful that at least the world's not going to be able to, you know, close the curtains and pretend this isn't happening, right. like like happened in the 30s. Yeah.
1: And in addition, um, Ukraine is not parts of France, uh, parts of uh, Poland. Um, while there was a defense put up on the annexation of those lands prior to World War II, the Ukrainians are unified. Much of mm-hmm. Ukraine is unified, they do not want to fall under Russian control, period. And so the president there uh, has already uh, called up the reserves, everyone from 18 to 60, Autumn, that means I'd be, I'd be going if I was Ukrainian imagine? at this point. I know. Uh, but they are insistent they don't want to fall under Russian control, and so they're going to fight back. I mean, I think Putin is going to find that uh, it may be easy to move in initially, but uh, the Ukrainian people, their resolve is strong, and I think they will fight uh, for their independence and will continue to mm-hmm. do so. So I don't mm-hmm. think this is over by. Any means, uh, no matter what what it's looking like right now in the first 24 to 48 hours. So, so I, I am I am hopeful, and I think you're exactly right. The information is coming out uh, very quickly. Uh, President uh, uh, Joe Biden met with his security council this morning in Washington D.C. I know the United Nations is already uh, meeting. I watched a little bit of the Security Council meeting last night as the attacks. Began, it was interesting to see the Russian diplomat ta- try to characterize this as a peace uh, movement or a, 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 what's that language that they use? A, a,
0: a peacekeeping, peacekeeping pe- peace- mission. Yeah, yeah peacekeeping yeah. mission.
1: Uh, and with the Ukrainian representative right there in front of him, and you can just see the Ukrainian minister putting his hand on his head, just shaking his head. Just, you know, this is such lies, and so. That's yeah.
0: why they're diplomats and I'm not Mitch. <laughs> you I know had to throw some hands. I was
1: gonna say that you know, we uh UN could get real interesting if we appointed uh ambassador uh autumn lockett. Uh I to don't the think Security Putin would have
0: had the nerve. I'm just saying. That's
1: <laughs> oh, right.
0: You get a mama in there and we just lay down the law. That's exactly right.
1: <laughs> so so,
3: so
0: we are praying for we, Ukraine and for praying. peace in general here at Good Faith Media.
1: Absolutely. We just, you know, I was in Lviv back in 2018 at the European Baptist Federation annual meeting. And pretty much in a hotel the entire time, I did get to see a very interesting situation develop. And this was right as uh, Russian troops were moving to the border. Uh, There's talk about the invasion of Crimea at, the po- at that time. Uh, war was raging in eastern Ukraine between Russian separatists, Russian-backed separatists, and Ukrainian uh, military, and it was it was heartbreaking to see. But at that meeting, I got to see Russian Baptists and Ukrainian Baptists come together to pass a resolution asking and begging and praying for peace. And that was heartbreaking because in all of this power and all of this might of politicians and oligarchs around the world and executives who you know, own billions and billions of dollars, it's the people that suffer, Adam, It's the everyday people who suffer. Mm-hmm. And watching those Baptists come together at Lviv on hands and knees, praying for peace, was really an awesome moment for me. And now, as I look at uh, the television set and see those same people now in their metro stations, subway stations, uh, using them as bomb shelters in Kiev and Lviv, um, it's just heartbreaking because it is the people who suffer, ultimately, uh, mm-hmm. when this happens. And so, we do pray for them. And on the last day, I want to tell this one last story, wrap this up. On the last day I was in Lviv, uh, the meetings were over. And so I thought I would just get out in the town and walk around their beautiful city. And I'm telling you, it was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not as pretty as Prague, uh, Czech Republic, but boy, it was close. Lviv was just a beautiful, beautiful city uh, with their architecture. I sat in the park. One afternoon, or that afternoon, I, I got out and was watching a dad and his little boy play. And they were playing soccer, uh, football for the rest of uh, the world. And they were just kicking the ball back and forth. And the ball ended up at the park bench that I was sitting. And so I decided to stand up and pass it back to the little boy. And he smiled. And so he kicked it back to me. <laughs> and I looked at the dad. And his dad kind of grinned. And, uh, I kicked it back to him, and we just we passed the ball back and forth for you know probably sixty seconds, and uh, had a really good time. And he was laughing, and, and the dad was smiling, and so I reached in my pocket and I found an American quarter. I don't ask me why I had an American quarter in my in my uh, pocket. You're
0: gonna pocket. go to Aldi, Maj. Yeah, yeah maybe on. maybe
1: Aldi in uh, Lviv, Ukraine. <laughs> um, and so I asked. I, I you know, certainly don't speak Ukrainian or Russian, but I showed the dad the quarter and asked him you know, by a gesture if it was okay if I gave it to his son, and he said yes. And so I did, and it was just this, for me at least, this beautiful little moment of cross-cultural relationship between an American and a Ukrainian dad and son that, you know, we're all human, and we all want the same thing, we want to live peacefully, we want to see our children grow up and be happy and healthy and safe and (laughs) and safe yeah and it's just heartbreaking to think about that that dad and that little boy now are under attack so Mm -hmm. our prayers are with the ukrainians are we continue to pray for all the leaders that does include uh, president putin Uh, even though i have to pray through clenched teeth for him i do so and uh, hope that uh, peace abounds uh, all around So. Autumn, you and I got to sit down with a very talented young man this week, uh, John or uh, Daniel Bailey. So, uh, Daniel sat down with us, talked about what it's like to be a singer songwriter in this day and age, and actually performs a few of his uh, original songs for us. So it was it was really delightful. What'd you think?
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed our time with Daniel as well. I feel like here at Good Faith Weekly, we sort of collect these. We talked about it off mic. We collect these musical artists who play in the Key of Descent. <laughs> if we ever start a recording label, that's what it's going to be called. Well, so, folks you, We
1: need to grab like, that right now, Key of Descent. Right,
0: TM, TM, TM. <laughs> um, but they, they write music, and they're able to say words, and their music um, speak these social justice truths. And it just, because of the, of the way that music can sort of soothe, it doesn't sound as harsh as if you were to just start sort of barking your, your thoughts on someone.
1: Absolutely. And his song, This Is My Home, that talks about, uh, about a young woman being ordained or being baptized in a Baptist church and then uh, told that to serve, she must submit. And then later on, you know, her feeling a calling and being an ordained, but that church family who raised her, um, you know, was nowhere to be found because couldn't we,
0: see beyond the casserole. Exactly, right.
1: exactly. So yeah. it is a wonderfully written song. It's beautifully delivered. Uh, he does a fantastic job. And what I loved about uh, Daniel was that he was so humble about it. Um, you know, he, he acknowledged that he probably is not the person to sing that song <laughs> because he's a male, uh, but he is the he is the author of the song. Uh, I think he did a great job delivering it. Uh, and if anybody out there in the world that wants to record it so with a female artist, I'm guessing Daniel would be happy to talk to you about that <laughs> very
0: Yes, early. we're happy to connect you.
1: Exactly right. <laughs> so so uh, stay tuned. Uh, it's, a, it's a lovely interview, and you certainly don't want to miss him performing This Is My Home. It's up next.
2: Marvel at Pacific Coast Wells. Wonder in rainforests. Explore wild coastlands and towering cliffs. Join Good Faith Media for a unique and immersive experience in the Pacific Northwest and Olympic National Park. Enjoy engaging conversation with your small group of adventurers led by our team, which includes a journalist, historian, and theologian. Join us July the 23rd through 30th. Learn more at faithexperiences.org.
1: Welcome back to Good Faith Weekly. On this episode, we've got a very special guest with us. All the way from Venita, Oklahoma, Daniel Bailey is a seminary student at Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, pursuing a Master's of Divinity degree. In his spare time, he's also a singer-songwriter, producing such songs as This Is My Home and St. Matilda, Sing Me Back Home. His sound combines the best of folk music with his passion for life, theology, and social justice. Daniel, welcome to Good Faith Weekly.
3: Well, thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Now,
1: now, Daniel, we really appreciate you being here. We we knew that you were, we, we had this interview scheduled at 10 o'clock, but you've been up a while. I mean, <laughs> you just <laughs> told us that. before we hit record, you've had quite the the, the evening. So tell our listeners about uh, what happened.
3: Well, my uh, my beautiful dog, Lily. Last night around 1130 or so, as I was trying to kind of wind down and get to bed, uh, started not feeling well and, and acting a little bit, uh, unusual. And, uh, and, and then that just kind of proceeded to get a little worse. And, and, and so we ended up having to do about a three or, well, yeah, I guess about a three hour round trip to an emergency vet, um, and, and, and get her sorted out. Um, and, uh. Everything should be fine, uh, according to the uh, to the uh, doc. There, um, the next 24 to 48 hours, she should be back to normal. But anyway, it was a it was a pretty scary night and one that uh, that kept me out all night. So I'm, I'm just <laughs> glad to be here.
1: <laughs> well, we are. Glad that you're here with us as well. So, you may be a little blurry eyed, but we know your voice is just going to resonate and just uh, be beautiful as, as we hear some of your songs here in just a moment. So, Daniel, let's talk about growing up and your love for music. When did you start discovering you had this aptitude for, for music and, and playing the guitar? And so, talk us, a little, talk, talk us through that a little bit.
3: Sure. Um, so, my um, uncles, all of my uncles, um, have played music in some form or fashion or another at some level or another, uh, and as well as my father um, also, and and so growing up, uh, I, I I grew up in Kentucky, but our vacations where we went for Christmas we went to Oklahoma City, and for summer break we went to Oklahoma City that and because that's where all the family was, and so and while I when I would be there, inevitably there would be a kind of a family. Jam session, and I remember being pretty mesmerized as a kid. Like, wow, that I, I that would be pretty cool to get to do that. And then I remember the first time my uncle Jim. Uh, I remember him saying, "This is a song that I wrote," mm-hmm. and I mean, that's I mean, I was a pretty little guy, so to remember that, it, it must have been, it must have meant something to me. Um, and that those two things kind of sat with me. And then uh, somewhere about middle school, when I realized that. Everybody else was going to catch up to my height, and that I was, in fact, really slow and not going to be a professional basketball player. I figured I needed to find another angle, another avenue. And um, <laughs> the, the truth be told, my dad had tried to get me to learn to play the guitar a couple of times, and I didn't pay attention, didn't listen. And about that time, my dad, my dad said, Do you know how I met your mother? And I said, "Of course, I don't know that." He said, "Well, I was playing guitar at church camp," and and the the story writes itself from there. I was able to sit and pay attention for days on end.
0: As a girl who's been at church camp, I can vouch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, there could be a whole episode of Good Faith Weekly on Autumn's uh, exploits at church camp, but uh, we digress.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's that's
3: where where I started, kind of. Falling in love with the idea of singing and and playing, and and then um, I was kind of the oddball uh, of Lone Oak Middle School in the '90s to be listening to Chris Christopherson and John Prine uh, at the height of the of boys to men's popularity wasn't exactly a, a, <laughs> the coolest move I could make, <laughs> but but uh, that's that's what i was into i was you know i was I, that's that was those were my influences were the Christoffersons, the john prines those kind of that, those kind of folks and and it just sort of built from there and, and, and awesome. has always been a part of my life since then
1: sure
0: well that was actually our next question was about some of your early influences um who continues to influence you and and who are some of your favorite artists now
3: oh my goodness that's a That's a good question. I'm there. You know, of course, there's a ton Um, people. uh, John Moreland, another Oklahoma connection there. John Moreland is. um, I can't imagine that there's a lot of a lot of songwriters better than him out there Mm -hmm. right now doing that, doing it. Um, David Ramirez is another. Um, Noah Gunderson. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of all over the So, so Daniel,
1: it sounds like I mean the the singer songwriters that you that have influenced you the most have this one incredible gift. Not only are they incredibly talented, but the remarkable storytellers. How important is telling a story for you?
3: Well, I mean I um, I think it's it's the entire purpose of the song, um, is to tell is to tell a story, and one of the things that I love about music is that you can go all kinds of different directions with the with that to tell a story, and you may tell a story and someone may hear a completely different story than what you just intended to tell, and that's also beautiful to me. Um,
1: yeah. I think I got that. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you start realizing, I mean, you're listening to all these great artists growing up uh, as a young man. Um, You started, uh, you know, writing your own songs as well. When did you start to realize that music can be used as a tool for theological reflection, for social justice, for speaking almost a prophetic voice and speaking out for those who are marginalized and ostracized in this world?
3: So I I was raised around music, but I was also raised around what I, what would be now today would be called a progressive uh, Christian community. Because as you said,
1: as you said, your dad was a, uh, your dad was a minister, (laughs) right?
3: Correct. Yes. My, my, so my father, um, my my earliest memories are me running around the halls of what we, what what my friends and I refer to as the real, uh, the old Central Baptist Church there uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. And yeah, my, so my father was um, the associate pastor there, um, and you know, I, of course, I had no idea. I tell people it was kind of like I. Like I was just—I was born in Narnia, and so I didn't Mm. know it. (laughs) And so um, I knew that music was an extremely powerful tool from a young age. I knew that, and I knew that it spoke to me. Um, And then I also was raised in this environment where social justice issues were talked about openly. They weren't—they they they weren't—it wasn't something to be scared of or to be angry about. It was just something that needed to be a conversation that needed to happen. And then when um, I moved from Lexington to Western Kentucky and and went to a a, a local Baptist church there full of great people, it still is, I will just say that it was a shock to my system in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And that's about the time that I think I realized that my music and my theology and my growing desire to be involved in, in social justice issues, even as a, you know, 13, 14 year old kid, those all kind of came together and at, at about that same time. And then that's also around the time that i that I found, of course, Bob Dylan, uh, you know, Chris Christofferson, yeah, yeah. those kinds of right. people, lyric driven songwriters, who wrote simple songs that said really, really hard and powerful things. Um, And that's, yeah, that's where, that's where I am with that.
1: I love the description of uh, growing up in Narnia. Um, Just so that you know, Autumn and I grew up in the seven circles of hell known as uh, Baptist (laughs) fundamentalism. I don't don't know if our (laughs) listeners heard me say, must be nice when you said you grew
3: up there. Uh, Um, Was it Falls Creek? Is that the camp?
1: Yeah, Falls Creek. I have, I am, I am. Okay, I I got, I got got a a little story here I can tell you. I am proudly banned for life from Falls Creek Baptist Encampment. So I wear
0: that.
1: (laughs) I wear that badge with honor. And pride. So every time I drive Daniel through, the
0: is bowing to Mitch, uh, <laughs> for our audience that can't see this. Every
1: time I drive through the uh, the the mountains of Davis, Oklahoma, I look to the west, and let's just say I offer them a, a, a salute. Radio edit. A salute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, that sounds
3: about like uh, my, my dad driving through, r- through Louisville at any point. Um, Salutations <laughs> and all sorts of mantras and sure, whatnot.
1: Sure, sure, That's sure.
0: That's amazing. Okay, let's talk a little bit about your song, St. Matilda, Sing Me Back Home. It sounds autobiographical, is it?
3: Yeah, so the people in the song are all real. Um, yeah, it's a I. Uh I grew up um, in Lexington, Kentucky, uh, on St. Matilda Drive. Um, I can tell you the address and the phone number still. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And, and, and that that cast of characters, uh, it was was all around. yeah. yeah. so yeah.
1: And what I love about your storytelling, Daniel, is is that the song, while it's autobiographical towards you, as you were seeing it, I was recalling all those kids in my childhood. And mm-hmm. so that's why I think that's the, the beauty and uh, use the word magic of uh, singer-songwriters like you is that you're telling this beautiful story about your own life, but it resonates with the, the listeners so much that they're able to think about their own lives as well. So, so it, was just, it was just really fantastic. This is Daniel Bailey, St. Matilda, sing me back home.
2: he was six years old sitting down by the creek when he told me he was in love with a girl named June but anytime she'd come around he never said a word and I'm betting June never knew Sarah was the first girl to ever break my heart Kissed me beside the playground swings. My head went full of funny. My eyes went full of stars. And both of my knees that he gave up on.
1: Won't you see me back home? Oh, love it! I love that sound and the storytelling, uh, full of funny. I, I can remember that day in uh, in my life as well. <laughs> so, the, thank you, you so much. You can remember way it. back that. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't live during the arranged marriage yeah. times. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. But Daniel, there's another song that you have written that once we heard it, we absolutely knew we had to have you as a guest here at Good Faith Weekly. The song that broke our hearts when we heard it was, This Is My Home. It's about women growing up in churches that will not let them be ordained or serve as senior pastor. There's a line in the song, Baptize me in water, told me I was a daughter. But then told me to serve was to submit. You baptized me in water and ordained in sorrow, because when that came, when that time came, you were nowhere to be found. Daniel, when I heard you sing that, and I probably botched the line there, but you get the gist of it. When I heard you sing that, it put a huge lump in my throat and tears in my eyes. When I think about all those little girls prohibited by their churches and pastors to follow their God-given calling because of a false interpretation of scriptures.
0: And all the people that missed out on women serving because of this, you know, bigotry. Yeah.
1: So how in the world, Daniel, did you come up with this song, and how in the world did you write it?
3: kind of catalyst was a conversation that I had with a friend of mine who is um, a minister um, and, a, and a phenomenal one at that? And we, had, so we, had, we are, have, have some similar backgrounds in churches that we've gone to. And, and she mentioned that um, just how sad it was that she knew she couldn't be ordained in her home church. And I thought, mm-hmm. how many times have I heard, the, you know, not to, not to minimize her story, but to say, how many times have I heard that story? and how incredibly sad is that and unchristlike is that and uh and honestly uh the song sort of just fell out it took it took me maybe 20 minutes to write that song and sit down and re- and record it on my phone
1: well it's it's just absolutely fascinating and and Om and i've been talking about it ever since uh, we listened to it and you have agreed, graciously agreed, to sing this song for us. This is my home.
3: I think that, that the the that it's a it's a tricky place to be in to sing this song as a white male in the United States of America. But I do think that it's a song that needs to be sung, and I hope that um, it, at the very least, can further a very a long overdue conversation. And this is a song that is uh, dedicated to people like Miss Connie, who took care of me in the nursery, um, to Janie Toy Pal, to my mother, my sister, my niece.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Bailey, this is my home.
2: This is my home, the place I first fell in love, but when I heard those words written in red, that this is my home, the place that first broke my heart, but when I think Kid, you were nowhere to be found Oh, it took a little time But I'm getting better now And I'm standing on holy ground And this is my home
1: Daniel Bailey. This is my home. If you want to know more about Daniel's music, you can check out his website at www.danielbaileymusic.net or follow him at Facebook at danielbaileymusic.net. Daniel, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for sharing your gift with us. And that song, This Is My Home, needs to be not only sung by men, women, children, but the entire congregation of the church. It's that important. Thank you for sharing your gift with us.
3: Thank you for having me. I appreciate
1: it. Daniel, before we let you go, we've got one last question that Autumn asked all of our guests. So Autumn, for the umpteenth time, take it away.
0: Before I do, I'm just going to speak very quickly to how you introduced the song um, and sort of we're questioning whether as a man you should sing it. And I will just say that were it not for men throughout history saying these words and holding space for women, we still wouldn't have a place. So I want to say thank you as a Christian woman, as someone raising daughters, and sons that you are absolutely the person to sing this and i'm very thankful that you did
3: thank you thank you that means thank you very much
0: absolutely um and so on that note uh good faith media our tagline is there's more to tell so in light of your work and uh your your mission and your music i'd like to ask you what your more to tell is
3: my more to tell is that there is more to come. I um, am on my second kidney transplant and have had a lot of ups and downs and, and kind of fits and starts in my life. But this is, this is, a, this is a new beginning. And so for me personally, this, the, the more to tell is that there is finally more to come. Mm. Um, as far as my work and my music and those kinds of things, uh, Any time that I can be a part of the process of furthering the conversation um, with regards to being more and more inclusive, then I'll take that opportunity. And that, that may be in a coffee shop and that may be on stage in front of a million people, but um, either way, I think it is, is uh, as you just said, it's, it's just important to keep saying it and to keep spreading that message of, of, of inclusion.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. amen amen Daniel thank you again so much it has been an absolute delight to visit with you and I just can't express enough thank you for sharing your gift with us
3: absolutely thank you so much for having me
1: and to our listeners we want to thank you for tuning in this week to Good Faith Weekly as always Autumn and I really appreciate each and every one of you and we'll be back next week with another guest until then keep living good faith